Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, February 1st, 2019. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, sometimes discuss leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and we will preview the weekend's top games eventually. Games like North Carolina at Louisville, Kentucky at Florida, Texas Tech at Kansas, Indiana at Michigan State. But first, I want to spend a, a few minutes on Villanova, because I, I'm not sure how many people recognize exactly what Villanova has been doing lately. We talked a lot about Jay Wright's Wildcats when they got blasted by Michigan, when they lost to Furman, lost to Penn. So it's only fair to highlight how they've won nine straight games now. They're 8-0 in the Big East, and how they're doing it is especially impressive. Villanova is just straight killing folks from the three-point line. Here are the numbers from the past five games. Check this out. 12 of 27 from three in a 90-78 win at Creighton. 15 of 34 from three in an 85-75 win over Xavier. 12 of 26 from three in an 80-72 win at Butler. 17 of 42 from three in an 80-52 win over Seton Hall. 15 of 35 from three in an 86-74 win at DePaul. You add it up, and Villanova is 71 of 164 from three in its past five games. That's 43.3% while averaging 14.2 makes per contest. Norlander, you tell me. How tough is Villanova if it continues to shoot anywhere close to this the rest of this season? And are you ready to call the Wildcats a Final Four contender once again? I'm getting pretty close there, Parrish. I've got him at 10th in my power rankings. I believe that is seven spots ahead of your daily top 25 and one. Villanova is doing what Jay Wright vowed to me that they would do. And I was a little skeptical when he said this in the preseason, but it's true. Those numbers are big, they're spectacular, and Villanova is now second to only the, I will not say gimmicky, but I will say, um, <laughs> I don't even know what word I'd use. Savannah State runs an offense that is so three-point oriented, no team can possibly catch it. Uh, Villanova's on the heels, though. 53% of Villanova's shots are three-pointers at this point. That's second in the country. Savannah State has actually had 58%, which is... Uh, which is crazy, but that's been that's been a big factor because they've gotten better at shooting the three. You know, people are not uh, people that listen to this podcast are not ignorant to the fact that Villanova was uh, a tremendous three point shooting team last season, uh, both in accuracy and volume. Villanova made the more three pointers in a single season than any team in college basketball history last season, and made more three pointers in the NCAA tournament than any team in college basketball history. Trying to chase those numbers are the Wildcats. And just for reference, uh, last season, 47.5% of Villanova shots came from beyond the arc. So they're going even more in on this philosophy. It seems to be working out relatively well right now. Phil Booth, by the way, has kind of stepped up and been been the player that... um, I think Villanova fans thought he could be, but he's he's about 42% from three uh, at this point and has been their most valuable overall player. Um, and in the, in their 9-0 stretch, by the way, Parrish, uh, which starts with the win over UConn just before Christmas, and their last loss came close at Kansas, but since then they haven't lost. They're averaging 79.6 points in that stretch, so it's, uh, they've been on fire as of late, but but overall the offense has really taken it up to uh, to another level, and they now rank top 10 in offensive efficiency. And last season, they were number one in offensive efficiency, largely because of the way they shot the ball from beyond the arc. Do you have a sense for whether Jay Wright recruits shooting or develops shooting? Because they're clearly committed to putting up shots 
from beyond the three-point arc, and they're obviously very good at it. Last season at 14 different players shoot above 40% from three-point range. Right now, he's got three players shooting above 40%. That's Phil Booth, Colin Gillespie, and Joe Cremo. So this isn't just one guy or two guys getting up all the shots. They basically have four, and last season sometimes five, players who can uh, shoot it from three-point range reasonably on any possession. Um, Do you have a sense for whether he recruits uh, shooters like this or gets them into the program and then develops in, into players who can do exactly what they're doing once again? I think it is more recruiting than developing, but every coach will, will sell recruits on the development within the program and how we're going to make you better, obviously, of course. But uh, Phil Booth was a solid three-point shooter coming into Villanova. Cremo as a grad transfer. Um, those who followed uh, mid-major basketball and uh, the University of Albany were aware of how good of a, th- of a of a long-range threat that he was. So I think it's a lot of them pinpointing this and trying to build out their offense from their shooters. There's also a lot of freedom in uh, the way Villanova runs its offense, and you know, unless they have changed things significantly this season, which I, th- I find to be highly unlikely. Um, I remember leading up to the Final Four last season, one of the very interesting things about Nova was how free-flowing their offense was and how few sets they actually ran and how good they were uh, because of it or in spite of it, however you want to frame that. It made their, their story all the more remarkable because basketball at the college level, I think it gets you know it gets a little a little smarter, a little more advanced uh, year by year in many different ways, and sometimes that can be with the, uh, the kinds of sets and creativity that coaches want to run and that... Jay Wright really simplified it uh, last season. Left up, uh, left it up to his players to, you know, acknowledge and develop and recognize reads on the floor, and they were they were better for it. Having a guy like Jalen Brunson was a big part of that. And now without him, uh, they they are finding a, a real groove here. Haven't lost in the Big East yet. It's them and Marquette, and then a huge gulf in that conference. But um, Villanova doesn't seem to be on the verge of uh, of taking a step back soon because next two home games are Georgetown on Super Bowl Sunday here, then against Creighton, and we all we all basically wait for the road tilt against Marquette on Saturday, February 9th. That'll be one of maybe three must-watch games in um, in the Big East the rest of the way. The only one might that might qualify, frankly, is uh, when Marquette tries to get its revenge win against St. John's. As you point out, uh, last season he had Jalen Brunson running thing. That's an incredible point guard who's now in the NBA, who was the National Player of the Year. And then he also had three other top 35 picks in the 2018 NBA draft. So, and we pointed this out before, um, in real time, I don't think people recognize just how talented Villanova was. Um, but, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, after the draft, um, it was quite clear. Like, that was one of the more talented teams in the country. Um, but they don't have that right now. And so I wonder, and I'm not comparing one to the other, but when the Warriors came out and started playing just a different game than the rest of the people in the NBA were playing, um, it, it, it actually changed the NBA. You know, and more teams than ever are shooting three-pointers um, at a higher rate than ever. And not everybody can do it like Golden State because not everybody has Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. But most franchises are now trying to do it. At what point do you think more high major programs commit to a similar style? Once upon a time, in some circles, you know, shooting too many three-pointers was considered a bad thing. I think now the bad thing is is, is quite clearly not shooting enough. Yeah, Generally speaking, that is that is true. Um, college coaches are more micromanaging than professional coaches. That's indisputable at this point. 
Um, and you're gonna try, <laughs> you're gonna try and bring in guys into your program that can uh, that can space and shoot it. Uh, and yet at the same time, like you've got the aberrational things like Ethan Happ at Wisconsin who can't do those things, and yet top five player of the year, and he he can't shoot the three. It makes his story all the more interesting. Um, I th- I think this is still going to be push parish to where we're gonna have power conference programs and teams uh, shooting more threes. And if you just look at college basketball in general, I had something on this in the preseason in one of my stories. I I can't reference the exact number. But anyway, college basketball has taken more three-pointers by the year annually, like GP, go back decades. There was one year where it, it had one weird dip, but otherwise more and more and more and more and more. More taken, more made. The season's going to set the record again. There's going to be more made three-pointers and more attempted three-pointers this season than ever before in the sport. So we're going to keep growing to that. And I do believe that it will not be this thing that expands infinitely uh, like the universe. At least that's that's the theory. Do you think the universe is expanding, or, or do you think we're, uh, we're shrinking back in on ourselves, by the way, Parrish? I don't know that I can have an intelligent opinion. Okay, about I that. just figured I'd throw that out in the middle of my thoughts on Villanova and college basketball and the three-point shot at large. But uh, anyway, um, there will be uh, a bounce back, a pendulum swing. It, you know, three pointers and and its emphasis and its efficiency that's never going to go away. But uh, do I think that you know in the next two to five to seven years we'll look up and we'll see a Final Four team that isn't so reliant on three pointers that has a couple of really good six ten big men and that might you know provide a commentary on there's not just one way to win. I think that is an inevitability. So Villanova right now eight and zero in the Big East. Next up is a Sunday early Sunday game um, at uh, Georgetown. I believe that's at Georgetown. No, Villanova's is, at home. It is at home. Yes. So uh, Sunday against Georgetown uh, at home, and then they get Creighton at home, and then of course the big one you referenced, February ninth uh, at Marquette. That is the only game at Marquette that Villanova is projected by Ken Palm to be an underdog uh, in going forward, at least until they get to presumably um, the NCAA tournament. We're going to preview some of the weekend's top games momentarily, but first, check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. So Sunday is pretty light because it's Super Bowl Sunday, but there are some good games scheduled for Saturday. So let's get into them now, uh, starting with the only matchup between 
two top 15 teams. That's number nine, North Carolina, at number 15, Louisville, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. You can watch it on ESPN. UNC is on a four-game winning streak. Tar Heels have won eight of their past nine games, which you might remember, only lost in that stretch, 83-62 loss at home uh, to this same Louisville team that's now on a six-game winning streak. It was the worst home loss of Roy Williams' career uh, since he's been at North Carolina. Norlander, Chris Max Cardinals going to extend this winning streak to seven. Uh, Louisville going to get the regular season sweep of UNC, or is it payback time for the Tar Heels? Oh, it's payback time, baby. I think it's payback. <laughs> it's payback time. North Carolina's going to win this game. It's going. It's going to. Uh, it's going to win this game. You know, you start every podcast now. You know, we sometimes talk about camel fighting. All right, we talked about it once. But so. don't think I won't do it again. <laughs> I'll do it now if you want to. We that, can get back to little. That's little that's while. fine. And I think we've talked about Leaky Black once, but now. I- we're going to talk about Leaky Black more. Well, now we're going to talk. Now we sometimes talk about Leaky Black because we're going to talk about him right now. Okay, good. He's not, well, I mean, it's not that good. He's not going to play in this game. <laughs> so <laughs> without him on the floor, and they also don't have Sterling Manley, does North Carolina. Um, they're more shorthanded, not as deep. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think you're going to see Nasir Little continue to get more minutes, continue to play better, and he has really taken a step forward in a good way. Can you take a step forward in a bad way? I don't think so. But he's played better as of late, and North Carolina is a better team when Nasir Little is a better player. I think that they will win this. I think it's going to be the best game of Saturday. I'm glad we're starting with this. From uh, from leading into the weekend, that's the one, as you mentioned, with uh, with the two ranked teams and, and sitting well in the polls. It's the most anticipated one of the weekend. But I, I, I think there's a great shot this will be a, a close game throughout. One stat to throw at you. Mm-hmm. Louisville, I think, has played better than its record. I don't care what uh, Bill Parcells' famous quote is, you are what your record says you are, that's fine. The, credit to Chris Mack and that staff. They've done a great job. Headed toward the NCAA tournament, awesome season. Jordan Noir has been a standout player. But they don't really have a – in my opinion, they don't have a star. Like Noir's averaging 18-8. and eight. He's, he's had a good uh, season. But I think why Louisville's been able – at least uh, a significant factor in why they've been able to, to get to this 16-5 uh, and five mark – is they're not only good at their foul shots, they get to the foul line a lot. So they, they rank top 20 nationally in free throw percentage, shooting about 76%. And more than 23% of their points overall come from made foul shots. So we'll see if North Carolina gets duped into that. Um, they're, not, they're not particularly a team that is overly foul prone. And because they don't have uh, a ton of big men, I mean, they've got May... Garrison Brooks, Cam Johnson, if you want to qualify him that. Like, they've got dudes who are, who are you know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, um, but they're not overloaded in the front court, and sometimes you'll see teams that are be more prone to foul rates. UNC isn't that, so I think we'll have a fun free-flowing game, and uh, I don't know what Louisville's free throws per game average is, but whatever the over-under is on that, I'm going under. It's just unfortunate. We're here first weekend of February, and Leaky Black is unavailable, just like Takashi Six Nine. Yeah, I don't know what that means. You don't know Takashi Six Nine? He's in federal prison right now. I'm out to lunch on that, my man. You don't know? You don't know Six Nine? He's that little bitty rapper who was. I wouldn't know him. Like I'm not trying to sound hipper than I am. I wouldn't know him except he was like on TMZ basically every day, just like talking crazy about everybody. 
Like, he's going to shoot this person, and this person's going to get shot. And then, like, one of his boys tries to shoot Chief Keep. He's, like, on TMZ talking wild every day. And then the feds busted him. And he's, like, facing life in prison now for all sorts of wild stuff, racketeering and I, I don't know what the actual like specific charges are, but like, there's, there's a he facing like a million charges. He put out this album and went straight to number one. It's got Nicki Minaj on it. I think Kanye's on one of the tracks. And now he's like going to be in. I don't know if he's going to be in jail forever, but he's in jail like now and has been for a while. And now Leaky Black can't play. Those are two things. Yes, those are those are two things. Um, I don't know maybe, where maybe you want Leaky, me to go with maybe that. Leaky Black can get healthy. And and uh, six nine can get out of prison, and then they can tour together. You tell me, there's a short rapper who also goes by six nine. <laughs> yes, he's. I mean, he's little bitty. He's like he's like smaller than he's like shorter than me. It probably weighs like 120 pounds. Little bitty dude. Okay. Well, Why? look him up. Look him up in your free time. Takashi six nine. Real name Daniel Hernandez. He's from Brooklyn, New York City. You never know what you're going to learn on this podcast. Any thoughts on Carolina Louisville Parish? Not really. Okay. Um, but I um, have you not- noticed Louisville's next four games? This is tough, man. Yes. Um, I mean, listen, this is in the court report. Of course. It's a whole subsection. I don't <laughs> expect you to read it. I'm not expecting you to read it, but it was noted in this week's court report. They've got a brutal four-game stretch here. Lay it out for the people. For anybody who might have missed it, uh, so they got uh, North Carolina at home on Saturday. Then it's at number 12, Virginia Tech, at number 25, Florida State, and then against Duke at home. If you're Chris Mack, if you're Chris Mack, you you take nothing less than four and zero. He's just wired that way. If you're a normal wired person, what would you accept from Louisville in these next four games? Two and two. You know it. Two home, two away. Florida State's not as good as if we thought it once was. Virginia Tech is a good team that actually does not have a lot of greatness on its resume. Its top tier wins are uh, are are not as good as other teams that are in that top fifteen, top twenty range in the polls. Um, so the, two, the it's weird the, your two easiest opponents come on the road your two toughest ones come at home so two and two maybe you split uh, maybe you also split the uh, the home and road tilts there I'm with you I think if uh, if you're a Louisville fan you'd be um, perfectly happy with with two and two and anything better than that is uh, obviously um, amazing uh, let's go on number seven Kentucky at Florida Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. You can watch it on ESPN. UK is on a seven-game winning streak. Florida, 3-1 and one in its past four games. Gators just beat Ole Miss the other night in overtime. Florida's only 12-8 and eight overall, 4-3 and three in the SEC, but still 31st at Ken Palm. So the computers love them for some reason. You taking Kentucky on the road, or are you terrified of the O-Dome? No one's terrified of the O-Dome. Okay. What? What? Get, get out Nobody's of here. Nobody's terrified of the O-Dome? The O-Dome, there's, there's no fear uh, with the O-Dome. Now, listen, is it, is it a fine venue? It is a fine venue. I don't, I don't dispute that. Um, but it's not, uh, you know, people walk into the O-Dome all the time, I have to remind you. Um, Florida got a necessary win earlier this week. It, it, needed, it needed that victory, and it got it against Ole Miss, which is going the wrong way. Since we brought up Ole Miss on the podcast, by the way, it's – it's it's not been a it's not been a good situation for Kermit Davis's team. We'll see if they can if they can get back into the into the fold there. Um, I think Ken Palm likes Florida more than any other uh, computer that you referenced. Uh, they were thirty eight in the Massey composite heading into this week, um, but Ken Palm is is buying in on them um, at, at thirty one. I'll take them to win here. 
Uh, it's probably not going to be a visually stimulating game. Florida's going to want to slow it down severely. Um, we'll see what Kavad Allen can get hot overall. Andrew Nembard is a name that almost no one knows in college basketball unless you're a Florida fan, but he is uh, one of the tallest point guards and really one of the better distributing point guards um, at this stage in college hoops. You know, he's not a top 10 point guard by any means, but if he, uh, I think he was a top 30 prospect. He was definitely a top 40 prospect, so he came in and was. Uh, you know, expected to be a, a difference maker right away. I want to see how he does in this one matched up on Ashton Hagens, who's been terrific, and we've noted him on previous podcasts. So in this specific game, I'm actually most intrigued by the Nembard Hagens head-to-head. I'll take Florida to win. Who are you taking? I'm going to go with Kentucky on the road. Um, as as And you know how I feel about the O-Dome, so you can understand how difficult this is for me to do. But they're really playing well right now. And some of it's got to do with Ashton Hagens. Um, he's just been a difference maker on both ends of the court, especially the defensive end of the court. But P.J. Washington's playing the best basketball of his college career. He had 21-6 and six against Mississippi State, 20-13 and 13 against Kansas, 26-12 and 12 against Vanderbilt. In that three-game stretch, shooting 53% from the field, 50% from three. Before this three-game stretch, he had never at Kentucky – so that counts last season and this season. He had never scored at least 20 points in consecutive games, and now he's done it in three straight games. So he's really playing well right now. Um, that's among the reasons Kentucky is playing well right now. Um, and since the Duke game, and we've noted this before, um, Kentucky's 17-2, and two, and the two losses are combined uh, by a combined three points. So they could very reasonably be sitting here at 19-1 and one with the lone loss to Duke. Uh, John Calipari's got him playing, and we talked about this in the last podcast, the way um, close to what they were supposed to be. I don't know that they'll ever get the number one in the rankings again like they were in the CBS Sports Top 25 and one in the preseason. But um, it does appear that when we get ready on Selection Sunday to start talking about teams that can realistically cut down nets in Minneapolis, Kentucky's going to be on that list. I think they'll win this weekend. Okay. So we split. That's good. We, by the way, got word that multiple people have been tracking our picks this season. So thank you. Keep it up. And uh, we are guaranteed to forget where exactly we stand. But I mentioned that, uh, I think, one or two podcasts ago. It's insane that we had the same record um, this far into the season. But we split here, and uh, you're going to turn your back on the O-Dome. Completely reasonable. Yep. Yeah, I feel I feel like I'm cheating on the O Dome a little bit, but I I gotta do what I gotta do. K- Kentucky's fan will get more aggravated if I. Kentucky's fan base is more likely to tweet me nonstop if I pick Florida and Kentucky wins than if I pick Kentucky and Florida wins. So uh, go Big Blue, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And if I didn't make it clear on the North Carolina Louisville game, I'm also taking North Carolina on the road. And it, I know it makes no sense given that. Uh, these teams have played once. They played in Chapel Hill, and Louisville beat their brains in. But that's the way college basketball works. Like, it'd be a very normal college basketball thing for the team that got its brains beat in at home by the other team to go then beat the other team on the road. Um, Another big game this weekend, Texas Tech is at Kansas. That's number 16, Texas Tech, at number 11, Kansas. Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, you can watch it on CBS. That's America's most watched network. It's America's most awarded networks, network stars. Kansas is just four and four since Yudoka Azabuki was lost for the season. Just one and three in its past four games. And a loss here would drop Kansas to five and four in the Big Twelve, heading into Tuesday's game at Kansas State. In other words, Jayhawks lose this one. They really might be staring at five and five uh in the Big Twelve by this time next week. 
You taking Kansas inside Fog Allen or Texas Tech on the road? I'm taking Kansas straight up, and I'm taking Texas Tech. I think the expectation, we logged our picks. Uh, we do, uh, we do, we picked some games for you over at CBSSports.com every Friday. They publish, um, they publish late Friday, so check that out if you want to fade us or, or ride with us. And I took Tech to cover here, took Kansas to win straight up. Uh, this is Parrish. I, I, this is it. This is the game right here for me. If Kansas drops this, I don't know if I can turn my back on my stance about picking them to win the Big 12 the way that you uh, scorned the, the O-Dome a few minutes ago, but got to win this game because you mentioned the road tilt coming after that at the Octagon of Doom on Tuesday, February 5th. So I will take the Jayhawks to eke this one out, but Texas Tech, which no longer rates as the best uh, per-possession defense in college basketball, it's now third trailing, just barely with trailing, Michigan and Virginia. We'll see if that defense uh, steps up and pulls one out here. We'll see if they can, anyone can help out Dedrick Lawson, Vic, Dotson, Grimes, Ochai Abaji, Marcus Garrett. Anybody want to pick up a phone? KJ Lawson hasn't really been much of a factor like his uh, like his brother. So we'll uh, we'll see. I'll take I'll take the Jayhawks, and I think this is the second most likely game to be terrific on Saturday, just behind UNC Louisville. I don't want to get hyperbolic, but I think you're exactly right. Like, this is a big game in the sense that if Kansas wins it, you go, okay, they haven't been good without Doug, but they just knocked out Texas Tech. They're still going to be very difficult to deal with inside Fog Allen. If they lose this one, though, and they drop to 5-4, and four, that put them two games back in the loss column of first place. And more than that, it would drop them to below 500 since – they lost their starting center. I do think if they lose this game, that will be the point where I say I don't think that their string of Big 12 titles is is going to continue. I, and I think it will be a reasonable thing to say at that point. And, and it has been reasonable to say at other points in other years, and then they make up the ground. And perhaps that's what they would do here too. I'm not ruling anything out. But at this moment, I will still say I think Kansas wins at least to share the Big 12 title. They lose at home to Texas Tech on Saturday? I, I'll, I'll move off that. But I don't think they're going to lose at home to Texas Tech on Saturday. Um, they're 11-0 inside Allen Fieldhouse this season. And even though they've been very average without Yudoka Azabuki, they did beat Iowa State, who has been very good uh, without Yudoka Azabuki. And Texas Tech is just 2-2 two and two in road games. So I'll take Kansas at home. But uh, I don't feel great about it, but I will take Kansas at home. All right. What's next? Indiana. At number six, Michigan State. at Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. You can watch it on ESPN. And Michigan State's coming off that loss at Purdue. Um, and by the way, I don't think we referenced it on the podcast. I, I think it happened before the last podcast. Maybe not. Josh Langford is now officially done for the season. Michigan State coming off a loss at Purdue. Um, meantime, Indiana is on a seven-game losing streak. How do you how do you explain that? Let's just before we're both picking Michigan State. Obviously, we're not going to take. Are Michigan we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you if you got the whatever it takes to uh, to to take a team on a seven game losing streak to win at Michigan State, knock yourself out. I'm going to assume you're not going to do that. Let's focus on Indiana for a second. How do you explain the seven game losing streak? Um, I mean, look, we got a talented uh, roster with a talented coach. How are they on a seven game that that 
that beat Marquette early in the year, that beat Louisville early in the year. It's not like um, Indiana got off to this nice start, ranked in the top 25 because they beat nobody. They beat um, they beat good teams early. Um, you know, again, it, both those games were at home and both those games were close, but they are both Indiana wins. The uh, Louisville, the Marquette win, oh, that one wasn't close. I got it. said something backwards. It was 96-73. So they beat Marquette, which is now – a borderline top 10 team, beat them by 23 points. And then after that, that was the close game. They went to Arkansas and barely lost because of that stupid last possession. Mm -hmm. Uh, They got blasted at Duke, but then they beat Louisville. This one was close, 68-67 at home. And they're at one point 12-2, overall 3-0 in the Big Ten, ranked in the top 25, and it's just been garbage ever since. How do you make sense of this? The classic Paris just now, by the way. Like – Asks me the question, <laughs> I, I I start to answer, and then he hops in and gives you another minute worth of exposition. Yeah, I really didn't want you to talk. I just wanted to pretend like I did, and then I wanted to, to, to explain things. Five of the past seven games, all losses have come on the road. That's part of it. One of the home games was against one of the three or four best teams in college basketball in Michigan. The other home game was against a Nebraska team that at the time was healthy and now has lost Isaac Copeland for the season. It is It has never been this bad for Archie Miller. This is by far the worst losing streak of his career. And they do not have enough around Lankford and Morgan. Lankford, you want him to be a, a little bit better of a three-point shooter. You watch him. You want him to occasionally make a little bit of a better decision. But overall, he's still been one of the five best freshmen in college basketball this season. That's a, that's a bar that is completely reasonable that he has cleared. And I find very little of this to be on his shoulders. Juwan Morgan as a senior, still when I watch Indiana play, and I've seen them plenty amid this streak, there are still moments in games where I, I, I see Morgan kind of – carrying his load for the most part. He's a fairly efficient player, good on the good on both ends and a, and a particularly opportunistic rebounder. But everyone else around him, both those guys, you know, Miller called him soft. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. They uh they they don't get stops on on key possessions when teams are potentially ready to break a game open. They just kind of fold. It's really weird and uh, now you're just fighting to get into the NIT. I mean, they went from being in the top 25 of the AP poll on January 20th to now it's 10, 11 days from that. They're on a seven-game losing streak. It's They're skidding out, uh, and, and, you know, they face Michigan State. Um, the line is going to be somewhere, I would think, around 15 points, uh, and I'm taking Indiana to cover, by the way. I'll take Indiana to cover even if it was 10 points. I think they're going to show up and, and play their uh, spirited game but but lose nonetheless. But it is, it's not good for Archie Miller, and you have a season here in which, and I, don't, I, don't, I can't pull off all these names off the top of my head, but um, Nerlens Noel, who was injury-influenced, obviously, is one that comes to mind. Um, you have a tremendous player on campus, a one-and-done, and this is going sideways and not the way any Indiana fan hoped. Think about the think about how jubilant that state and that fan base was back in April of last year when Lankford committed and to where it is today it's it's shocking. It really is. I mean you, you really do end up wasting the, the the Romeo Langford season that you looked forward to literally for years. I mean it, it, you, to put some names with it, it's like Ben Simmons at LSU. 
It's like Markel Fultz at Washington. Um, right, you know, but tw- those aren't – you're right, Parrish, but those schools are not annually expected. You're right, but like at Indiana, you think we're Indiana and we have Romeo Langford. Like there's almost no shot this isn't going to go fairly decently. Well, here's the shot where it doesn't. That's all. Right. Um, way back a long time ago, um, John Calipari's second team at Memphis had Dewan Wagner. You know, number one guard in the country, they go to the NIT. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like, and that was that was similar to Indiana in the sense that they were supposed to be good, and they had a roster that said they should have been good, and then just did you, you waste the one Wani Wags year, and now it looks like Indiana's on uh, on a track to waste the one Romeo Langford year. I do think that um, you pointed out something that's important for uh, the purposes of context. Five of the seven losses are on the road. Given that this next game against Michigan State also on the road, they're in a stretch right now where six of their eight, six games in an eight game stretch are road games. That seems weird. Um, and then five of these losses are against top twenty five Ken Palm teams. So that's not to excuse it. If you're a legitimate top twenty five like team, you're not supposed to lose seven in a row. I don't care what league you're in. I don't care uh, what the schedule looks like. I don't care where you're playing games. Uh, but but I, I guess the the details aren't nearly as bad as just a surface level seven game losing streak. Either way, um, they're fading. They were 16th at Kenpom on November 18th. They're 47th at Kenpom right now. And if you got these kinds of issues, like Michigan State ain't the place where you try to get them fixed, I don't think. Um, I, I did in our official picks at CBSSports.com also take Indiana to cover, but I don't think Indiana's going to win. So when it goes to bet on. Uh, this team goes to bed on Saturday night. They will almost certainly be 12 and 10 overall, three and eight uh, in the Big Ten, and taking an eight-game losing streak into next Thursday's home game uh, against Iowa. That'll be followed by a home game against Ohio State, then at Minnesota, home against Purdue, at Iowa. Home against Wisconsin, home against Michigan State, <laughs> okay. at Illinois. All right, Parrish, you're just reading off their schedule. schedule. <laughs> and then let me go. Let me run through their projected Big Ten tournament games. Okay, as well. uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and playing on that Wednesday, I don't have any yeah, idea. You got Archie we Miller's got, itinerary yeah, for uh, for yeah. April in there. <laughs> what? I said you got Archie Miller's itinerary for April in there as well. You want to get to? Yeah, I want to go ahead and say he's going to be at the uh, that event in Arkansas. Okay. <laughs> Hey, real quick, real quick. Um, we're not going to get into like breaking down these games, but I want this on the record before they happen. So, recording this Friday morning. Friday night, there are two Big Ten games. Yeah, you know I hate talking about. Friday I don't night care. Games. Michigan's going to lose at Iowa. I'm on. I'm putting it on the record. Okay, Michigan's going to lose at Iowa. That's going to happen. And then Maryland's going to. We talk about skidding teams. Maryland's going to lose at Wisconsin. They're going to have dropped three of their past four. So I'm just. I'm just laying that out there, helping out the listeners there. Just watch Michigan fall into Iowa Friday night. I refuse to pick Friday night games. Okay, you don't have to. I'm not asking you to pick. I'm just telling you that that's what's going to happen. I'm and taking a principled stance. <laughs> okay, I might, I might, I might go against the O Dome in the middle of a podcast, but I will not. I will not compromise myself and pick a Friday night game on a Friday morning podcast. <laughs> that that's fine. One of your weirder stances. I respect it. <laughs> I got trivia time coming up, so don't leave us yet. But before we go any further, I want to thank you guys for subscribing uh, to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. The numbers are up in every way. We notice. Our bosses notice. So thank you guys for making this the, the biggest college basketball podcast in the country. And to those of you who haven't done it yet, please get on that. It only takes a minute. Go subscribe via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars and nice comments are preferred and appreciated, I think, in advance. 
Norlander, it's trivia time. Oh, boy. I have no idea what's coming. Go ahead. Fire it at me. Ah, uh, that's what she said. I looked this up a few weeks back for some reason. Did you know that six of the past seven national champions have finished top 11 in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency? Hold Did on. you know? Yeah, well, hold on. I, I, you know what? Yes, Parrish, but have you done what needs to be done in, 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 in order to ask this question properly? I don't know. I don't know what you mean. Are you looking at where they finished in offensive and defensive efficiency after the NCAA tournament was over? Because when you play four, five, six really good teams and you win the national championship, one hand feeds the other. Of course, you're going to bump up. You need to see where those teams rated before they played an NCAA tournament game. I don't know how to do that. Okay. Well, that's the proper way to uh, evaluate this, but continue anyway. I messed up trivia time last time. Now you've kind of stepped in it here. Let's have some I have fun. Not, I, have not, I have not messed up trivia time. I acknowledge that if you go and win six games in the NCAA <laughs> tournament, your efficiency numbers are almost certainly, definitely, uh, going to be better than they otherwise would have been. Do you know what? I'll ask you. Do you know how to look up where they were at the end of the regular season? Yes. Oh. Well, then you should have done that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh if you um i'm gonna i'm gonna walk you through this here Parrish, i talked to ken pomeroy on the phone this week by the way and uh he's an occasional listener of the podcast thank you ken we appreciate this um uh, if you want to i'm 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 gonna give the endorsement of his site since Parrish brings it up like 15 times on a podcast kenpom.com it's only 19.99 per season it really is i'm i'm not i'm not joking here and please don't do this, Ken, but he could charge like $99 a season for this, and I think he'd, he'd keep his subscription rate above 50% and make a lot more money because there are so many people that I feel use this that are not even just in the media. I feel like he has hit the ultimate mainstream, so I'm, I told him I'd give him a little bit of a shout-out there um, and uh, and kind of break the tradition of, of GP doing this. But here's what you got to do, Parrish. Mm-hmm. Go to every – I know you got the page up in front of you right now. Okay? I uh, Always have the page up in front in of fact, me. In fact, I want to try and do a podcast this season where you do not have Ken Palm on your screen when we record. Can you That's, do that? I, I mean, I could do it, but I don't want to. That's not the way. I, <laughs> not the way I want to live my All life. All right. So click on the 2018 season for me. Done. You see, it says Ken Palm Pomeroy basketball ratings. Sure. And you see data. Yep. And you see final, and you see pre-turning. I do see pre-turning. There you go. Yeah, but then I have to download something. It, yes, it, gets it, downlo- it downloads the stats for you. I, I'm just telling you, that's it's it's as simple as that. Anyway, we've got a trivia time to get to here, so why don't you throw it at me? Trivia time! <laughs> trivia time! There are three teams right now that rank in the top 11 in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. Can you name them? Okay, I will not cheat on this. I know two of them because I... Uh, I was looking at it like a week ago. So Michigan State is one, Virginia is two, and I'm going to guess that Duke is the third. Damn it. You got it exactly right. Yeah, what, can, what can I do here? How is it possible you knew the answer to my questions but didn't know the answers to your own question earlier this week? Seems it seems almost impossible, really. <laughs> I mean, it, it really uh, – it's it, just ridiculous. That, there's no reason why that How can you answer. answer my questions but can't answer your own? I know. I don't, I don't get that, by the way. Oh. Okay, you ready for this? Uh, bonus trivia time! Okay. There are five more teams mm-hmm. right now that are in the top 25 in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. Can you name them? So you expanded this out? Interesting. Just, just in case I wanted bonus trivia time. Okay. Um, I'll say Tennessee. 
surprisingly not one. They're third in offensive efficiency, 30th in defensive efficiency. <sighs> okay. Um, five teams, you're saying? That are top 25 in both, in addition to Duke, Virginia, and Michigan State. All right, Virginia. So Tech, there's a total uh, of eight schools okay. that are top 25 in both, yeah. Duke, Virginia, Michigan State are three of them. Virginia Tech. No. Oh, Virginia God. Tech is seventh in offensive efficiency, 50th in defensive efficiency. Okay. North Carolina. Yes. 12 okay. in offensive efficiency, 13th in defensive efficiency. Kentucky. Kentucky, yes. 17th in offensive efficiency, 9th in defensive efficiency. And Wisconsin. Wisconsin is not. Wisconsin is uh, 32nd in offensive efficiency, 5th in defensive efficiency. Um, I know it's not Gonzaga because they're not good enough on defense. Uh, uh, I don't. Who, think, of, I don't who think, of them? Yeah. Who of them are playing each other this weekend? Okay. For real though, Texas Tech qualifies because Kansas was going to be my other guess. Neither Kansas okay, or so, nor Texas so, Tech. So Louisville. It's Louisville, North Carolina. That's two of them. I'm North missing, Carolina, I'm missing 12th one. in offensive efficiency, 13th in defensive efficiency. Louisville, 13th in offensive efficiency, 24th in defensive efficiency. And you got one more left out there. Easy guess or no? Um, uh, I, I'll give you three guesses, and I don't think you'll get it. Really? So not that easy of a guess. Um, you know what? How about Buffalo. It is not Buffalo. Buffalo is 27th in offensive efficiency, so very close. 17th in defensive efficiency. Is it from a multi-bid conference? Probably not. Ooh, probably not. Probably not. Hmm. Probably not a multi-bid conference. I mean, may, maybe a multi-bid okay, conference. Okay, so how are we thinking? Uh, I don't think I don't think they'd be good enough. Murray State. It is not Murray State. Murray State is – I don't know where Murray State is. I got it right <laughs> okay. here. Uh, they are uh, – Murray State's 37th offensive efficiency and 98th defensive efficiency. Uh, probably not. You got one more guess. Multi-bid. Okay. Um Man Maybe. I haven't looked at Jerry Palm's latest bracket. The league is sometimes a multi-bid league, but is down this season. So that makes me think A-10, but I don't – I don't – or unless – oh, eh, unless you're saying Nevada. It's got to be Nevada. Is that my blind spot? It's Nevada. Okay, yeah. All right. 24th in offensive efficiency, 22nd in defensive efficiency. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Hey, this has been fun. I suggested a segment that would have been done in a shorter amount of time. We can still <laughs> we can still do it right now if you want to do it. I didn't do the homework assignment once we decided not to do it. Oh, gosh. Why don't you just do it off the top of your head? Because I'm not good off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. We got something good coming for you next week. We didn't want to include I, – I, I did want to include it in this podcast. You did include it. What it is is Norlander uh, selected a handful of schools, and we are going to predict what their seed – not what it would be right now, but what it will be on Selection Sunday, and then we're just going to leave them alone and then return to them on Selection Sunday and see how right or wrong we were. Um, I thought because we had so many games to talk about this weekend that that would be better uh, served on a Wednesday podcast because – there's usually very little that's happened between uh, you know Sunday night and Wednesday morning. I mean, there's games and stuff, but that, that's the podcast where we are searching 
for topics to talk about. So I figured it'd be we, we'd be better off just putting it right there, right? That's sure. Uh, one more question: Where does uh, where does Wofford rank right now? Just out of curiosity. Oh my God, the freaking Terriers! Um, they're thirty eighth at Ken Palm. They are eighteen and four overall. They are sixteenth. Efficiency, 103rd in defensive efficiency. If you can beat them, if you can beat them uh, at their place in Spartanburg, that's going to count as a quadrant one win. Seems pretty clear right now. Uh, and they are 31st in the net, which means they are also on a neutral, a quad one win. So, and they are one spot away from uh, from if you beat them at home. If you beat them on your own home floor, your floor, Wofford comes into your building, and you beat them, it's a quad one win parish. I'm not inviting Wofford into my floor. Are you out of your mind? I'm not getting involved in that. Listen, on this podcast, we sometimes talk about camel fighting. We sometimes talk about Leaky Black. And now we are always going to talk about Wofford's rating. Shout to the Terriers. Shouts to the Terriers. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And like I said, please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rated favorably. Five-star nice comments. That's all I've ever asked from you. Please do that. And we will talk to you again early Sunday. And that's because there's not much going on on Sunday except for the Super Bowl. And I'm hosting a Super Bowl party uh, at Fitz in Tunica with Jerry the King Lawler. And so I got to get down to Tunica uh, middle of the afternoon. So we will record um, let's just be transparent. What do we decide on? Going to try to record around noon Eastern, right? That's right. We'll record noon Eastern. We're going to go ahead and presume that Nova's not going to lose at home to Georgetown. Even if it does, well, we'll get to that uh, on the next podcast. And then we'll have it ready for you. If you want to squeeze it in before the Super Bowl, you can do that. If not, it's waiting for you for your morning commute. I know some people like to uh, to have that then. But we'll get it. This is an extremely early one. But we normally, you know, the longtime podcast listeners know that this is almost always the case. We record um, very early before the Super Bowl. So we'll get that out for you well in time before the game. What I would encourage you to do is um, go ahead and subscribe. And then uh, it'll get sent right to your phone. And then when you have people over to watch the Super Bowl, you can mute it. Uh, you guys can watch the Super Bowl, but then just listen to the Island College Basketball Podcast, and that'll be like a – you'll be the star of the party, I'm certain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, wonder, yeah, I want someone to actually try that video and send it to us, see how that goes. Yeah, get video of that. Hey, video, put a secret camera in your, at your Super Bowl party when you mute it, like right during the – The kickoff. First... Yeah, the kick. no, the kickoff. Hey, guys, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to mute this. I'm going to mute this, and um, – We're going to hear about camel fighting. Yeah, Parrish and Norlander have a, a podcast where they sometimes discuss camel fighting and uh, leaky black. So if you don't mind, um, we're going to watch uh, the Patriots and Rams, but we'll knock this podcast out. It's only 45 minutes. Uh, video the reaction from your Super Bowl party, and uh, uh, we'll link it somewhere, I promise. Uh, we're going to talk to you again on Sunday. Let's get out of here. Till then, take care.